Hey, listen up, gang. Tonight it's Anarchy and the ACA with special guest Tyler Nightmare of the Punks at the Cinema podcast and the punk band Warplot here to help us record our 100th episode. That's right. We've reached 100. It's pretty incredible, but more on that later. For now, grab your gear because having it in the hallway is a fire hazard. Join us in our 11 by 12 box of punk and bloodshed as we review 2015's Green Room, starting now. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be reviewing Green Room from 2016. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, I'd like to introduce a brand new guest appearing with us for the first time. Everybody say hello to Tyler from Punks at the Cinema. What's up, Tyler? Howdy, hello, folks out there. How you doing? <laughs> it's great to have you on the show, Tyler. I mean, I'm fucking excited to be on this fucking show. I'll tell you what. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's. I feel you are the perfect guest to have on for this episode. No other would do. You know, some people might differ, but I'll agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in just a minute, we'll give you a chance to talk about um, your show so everybody can get to know you a little bit. But first, let's move on and say hello to John. What's up, John? Tyler, so good to meet you, man. I'm so glad to have you on. Episode 100 for us. Jacqueline, how's it going? Heidelberg, hello. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big one for us. Looks like we made it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 100 episodes. 100. (laughs) And last but not least, we got Heidelberg. What's going on, guys? Tyler, what's going on? Thanks for coming on. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Festive with your Warpod hat on. Yeah, Tyler, you are you are actually on for a very momentous episode for us. This is our 100th episode, our 100th review show. So uh, we're happy to be sharing it with you today. I'm fucking happy to be here, too. I'm, I'm a little bit fucking nervous. I'll tell you what, but I'm really yeah, no, fucking No pressure, bro. No pressure. Hey, There's... pressure's always here. We have a song called Pressure Point for that, too. So. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, I can't believe I can't believe it's been 100. It feels like the time has really flown by with you guys. Uh, but so tonight we'll be having just a regular review show like always. But listeners out there, stay uh, vigilant because throughout the rest of this week, there may be some extra little goodies in store for you uh, for you to slam into your ears. So keep on the lookout for those. Maybe we'll hint at those a little more by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, tonight, just a regular show. Mm-hmm. Oh, was I supposed to do news? Oops. Uh, <laughs> uh, <no>. that, <laughs> that's the big news. There's no okay. other news compared. No, no. The 100th episode, you're off the hook tonight, John. Nobody cares about Relax. anything other than <laughs> our 100th episode. Yeah. Nobody wants to watch movie trailers. They spoil anything anyway. That's the only news you need to hear. That's true. That's very it. true. That is the May news I say something movie. real quick, though? Yeah. I In my previous life, uh, I did uh, co-host another podcast. We never made it to episode 100. And I mean this with all sincerity. And Tyler, I'm so glad you're here to to be here with us at episode 100. But Jacqueline and Hydraberg, you guys are the best friends that I've ever had. Uh, this is like momentous, not just for me uh, uh, with us, but just in my podcasting career of of reaching episode 100. So uh, it means the world to me. And I, I, 
you guys have been so supportive and uh, I hope I've given you a little support, but uh, it's just, it's, I'm excited. I'm, I'm as giddy as a school kid right now. Just yay. 100. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't say it any better than that. Um, other than to say that I feel the exact same way about you guys. And I, when we first started this, I couldn't even fathom that we would make it to episode 100 Sorry. without fail every week, um, a, a, a new episode. So um, honestly, I'm surprised you guys are at 100. I remember when you guys did the ritual for like episode five or six, and that's when I jumped on. It was like the ritual and like Phantom Opera. The, yeah, which yeah. is our so favorite episode, that right? <laughs> that's how early I've been listening. Tyler is hard with us, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm always <laughs> fucking hard, John. I, oh wow, that's a good soundbite, John. Yeah, I uh, I that. too desperately want to make love to a schoolboy again. I'm very excited. Wow. <laughs> I never said that. Very but... excited for tonight's episode. We hit 100. It's a milestone. It's insane. I still, it still feels surreal to me because it's just me and three, my two friends and other friends that join us just getting together talking about movies. But um, I don't know, man. It's some, we got something special here. Uh, and I, I, I agree. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, me too. Love you guys. Love you. Well, I love you guys too, even though I don't know you. But I, love I love you too, Tyler. We love you, Tyler. We, you we do know, know us. You do know us. And we know you. So let's talk about Tyler for a minute because yeah. we'll have plenty of time to talk about ourselves over the next couple sure. of days. But Ty, let's talk about Tyler. So, Tyler, we've been friends with Tyler for a while now in the straight chilling slack. Surprise, surprise, just like how we know most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tyler's been not only hard with us, but hard with straight chilling for a long time. But Tyler's got his own cool little corner of the horror community going on. So, Tyler, you want to talk about that for a minute? All the stuff you that you do in your your personal and artistic uh, life? I suppose. Um, yeah, um, I'm mostly the main host of Punks at the Cinema. Me and my buds, we sit around, we we'll crack up a few cold ones, and we just rip on our praise and some of our favorite movies that we've loved growing up with, or new movies coming out, or old movies we've never fucking seen before. Uh, we're pretty much we just sit around, and get drunk, and just shoot the shit, just have a good time. It's always super fun. Yeah, it's a fun show. Yeah. And, um, Tyler Nightmares Late Night Horror Show. I've not really been doing much with that because it's really I found out really early it's hard to do, and it kind of sucks <laughs> because I did Renfield and I had to rise myself not too long ago, and I didn't even post it, forgetting what I was saying. I was like, oh, this sucks. I'm not gonna fucking. But I mostly put all my attention to the band for War That's that's where my most attention goes to. So tell folks about that. Um, I want to track you down and find you. We are um, a hardcore punk rock band out of here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha, Wisconsin has a rich history of punk rock from the 80s. Um, we have a lot of old schoolers that are still around that jam out. So a lot of money miss them all. But uh, you can find us on Facebook at Warplot and then Instagram at Warplot69 because someone else already had Warplot up here. But whatever. 69 is a good number, too. So. Yeah, 69 is better. So oh, is. 69 is the best, dog. Um, so yeah, you can find us there. Uh, YouTube, you can just look up War Plot. We have some like live videos. We have a music video up there for Thieves at TTM Films, which was um, a, a buddy of ours that's here in town. He's been making his own pod, his own video website. And he used to be in a band called Phrenology here in town. Which they fucking rocked. You got to check out Phrenology if you can. Actually, they're about to go on Spotify sometime this month. So check that out. Awesome. Well, for all those reasons, we felt like this would be... Uh a great matchup for you to come on and talk about green room with us. So, oh, great yeah. Who better to come on? Exactly. So folks who haven't seen green room, as we get into the discussion and start spoiling it, you'll soon come to realize why Tyler was the right choice for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good bands in this movie too, for sure. 
<laughs> well, you probably know that a lot better than I do, so you'll have to point those out. Oh, I fucking will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Hydroberg, if I'm not mistaken, this was your pick this week, correct? Yes, it was. All right. Why did you choose Green Room? Um, well, I I happen to enjoy this film. Um, I've only seen it a couple times, but um, it stuck with me the first time. And uh, I, I kind of thought about it for a while that it would make a good episode to cover on the show, but I never like, you know, put it in the schedule anywhere. And then I started talking to Tyler about coming on the show and we hadn't done it yet. So I was like, well, what about covering, you know, Green Room, bro? You're in a punk band like. You know, I'd love to have you on. And he was like, oh, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I love that movie. So, uh, yeah, so that's why I picked it. All right, cool. Well, I think it's about time to decide whether this movie fucks or sucks. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Hydroberg, since this was your pick, why don't you go first? Does Green Room fuck or does it suck? Uh, so this film is a fuck from beginning to end. It's a broken glass fuck society sort of punk fuck. What a fuck. <laughs> okay. And Tyler, our esteemed guest, does this movie fuck or suck for you? Uh, dude, this movie fucks Nazis and their stupid fucking asses. That's how hard this movie fucks. <laughs> well, there we go. We just lost 10% of our Nazi listenership. Thanks. Well, you don't need to kill those motherfuckers anyway. Just kidding. Well, Tyler, I, I, like, I like where you stand, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Johnny, what say you? Does the movie fuck or does it suck? Man, I would try to think of something creative, but I just, I went for the low-hanging fruit. This is a rockin' good fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, baby. <laughs> behave. How about you, Jacqueline? Sure. What do you think? Y'all are cracking me up. Um, So I, I feel like I've kind of had a few of these lately, but for me, this is a little bit of a flaccid fuck. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a fuck. It's the first time for you? No. Oh. It's a fuck, but it's it's not a hardcore fuck for me. Mm. Well, it's not hardcore. It's punk rock. That's why. I'm I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, it's not a hardcore movie, Jacqueline. It's about punk rock. Maybe that's why. I'm sorry. I don't know all the lingo. Yeah. (laughs) I have my term. You're such a poser. I I am. I am fake. I am faking the funk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So I'm expecting the hate mail anytime now. Please send it to Spoils of Horror six nine six nine at aol.com thank you very much oh Um, very nicely done jacqueline i like that thank you john you want to hit us with the spoiler warning so we can get deep on this thing get rocking on this sure yeah we're going to be talking about green room 2015 in its entirety if you have not seen this movie pause podcast go watch it then come back to find out what we thought about it john you look cute with a baseball cap on oh thank you thank you (laughs) i didn't shave today so i'm like i'm also scruffy no no you look cool you, you and Tyler are like leading the hat brigade here. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's the fourth member of the band right here. That's the fourth member. Tyler, I want that hat, dude. Send it my way. Oh, I'll send you one of these buddy. posters. The no, you need that. That hat officially makes you leader of the band. Like if you put it on, whoever has it on that night, you know, they're the leader of the band at that time. Well, that's me. I'm the only leader of the band. Well, Not you're me. wearing the hat, so I just assume that. But uh, are, our, our, our new logo is based off this hat and my skull. So that's going to be my next tattoo. You bet. Awesome. We're so good at podcasting that we're going to describe to you what we're talking about. His hat's like a captain's hat. Look at his hat. hat. It looks like a pirate hat. Right now, look at it. Yeah, look. And it says warp butt on it. Yeah, it it looks like a a pirate's hat. It's a tricorn. I got the Renaissance Fair because my aunt has a friend that works at the Renaissance Fair and she works at the the pirate section. And I bought the tricorn off there. 
about like 2018 and we started the band in 2020 actually next week will be our three-year anniversary and i just decided to start wearing the hat on stage and it just kind of stuck and it became the fourth member of the band that's fucking awesome dude i like that this is an extremely cool hat and also john is wearing a black baseball cap and he looks cute so yeah he does (laughs) sexy motherfucker i did it for the nookie the nookie Come come on talk about posers jeez Hey, we're all posers. We just live in a punk rock. Just world. one of those days posers. where you don't want to wake up. Everybody <laughs> sucks. Oh my. <laughs> That's punk rock, bro. Yeah. All right. Well, Hydraberg, do you have a very punk rock uh reach around for us? I do. I all have right. a very punk rock reach around. I can't wait to hear it. I'm gonna mute myself though. All right. Y'all ready? Punks in a band living in a van. Waking up in cornfields looking for fans. Siphoning gas just to hit the road. Staying the night out of tadpoles. An interview for a local radio station leads to a new gig, not much on information. A boot embraces compound deep in the woods. Play their harder stuff, the set went good. Collect a fee and leave rather quickly. Instead, they see something sickly. Wrong place at the wrong time. Went back for a phone and witnessed a crime. A girl lay dead, someone here stabbed her. Everyone in the room frozen except her friend Amber. Now out of this room, our band must clamber, while thwarted by the skin's commander. Stuck in this room, no escape in sight. Won't roll over, we are the ain't rights. Cut us and kill us, you can't silence us punks. So eat shit and die, you worthless cunts. A harder-edged friendship had obviously bloomed, with the van low and petrol running on fumes, never aware they were meeting their doom. In this, the green room. Yeah. Bro. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. Hey, you gotta write some lyrics for me. I need some fucking lyrics written for a new song. So. All right, I actually feel like that could be a match made in heaven. I, I totally feel like Hydraberg could do it. Let's I do it like a hard some lyrics for Rob Zombie, though. Whoa! <laughs> Actually, nice I just one, had John. a fancy Rob Zombie last night at a concert that uh, Sonic Temple in Ohio. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, she said it was pretty awesome. She also oh, saw like, uh, Tool, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, and a bunch of other bands, oh, too. That sounds like an expensive uh, ticket, probably. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it is, man, honestly. Yeah. So I, I saw Tool one time in concert. And Manor James Keenan, it, like I love that band. I've I've loved Tool my entire life. But the concert I went to, he's always in the background and you can't see him. I know it's not about the movie, but like he stopped the show and he goes, "Hey, nice tits!" And this girl like <laughs> flashed her boobs, and then uh, he goes, "No, not you, girl. Him." Nice. It was hilarious. It, like it, it was the funniest thing. And I've the ever guy seen that he pointed at was you, right, John? And you were like, "It was." <laughs> and, you know, I flashed. I'm like, "Look at this." When's Rob Zombie coming on? Oh, God. He ain't coming on here, I tell you what. He's coming up on our schedule before too long. Oh, God. What? I'm curious what movie that is. John, we can just quit the show at episode 100, right? Like, that's a good milestone. We could just end there. Oh, yeah. If we got Rob Zombie coming up, oh, yeah. (laughs) Episode episode 107, the natural stopping point in the life of any podcast. (laughs) It's like Punks at the Cinema. Every time we say this is the final episode or stay tuned for the final episode of Punks at the Cinema. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious. The way they portray this band, and Tyler, you you could speak on this. I mean, it's just like these guys you know, believe in their art and stuff like that. I mean, it's just like traveling from D.C. to the Pacific Northwest where I'm at right now. I mean, this is kind of real, right? This is, you know, the struggle, right? Tyler, what he's asking... I've never been anything. Tyler, what he's asking is, has this happened to you? Yes. Not me personally, (laughs) but I have friends here in town. This town is rich, full of punk rock history. And um, 
my friend uh, Franklin Festi, he's in a band called Glad Ranch, which is a tribute to his father's band, Pissed Officer, which, rest in peace, I've missed that. That is a great name. But um, um, he moved out to Portland for a while and helped um, shape the Kino Core scene. Here in Kenosha, we call it Kino Core. And um, so he formed the Kino Core scene out in Portland. And they just recently went on a tour to go to Portland in their beat up, shitty fucking white van that looks like a rape. But um, (laughs) it says says grapes instead of rapes. I'm I'm just kidding. But um, um, they had a few issues breaking down. And I don't think they had to steal gas or siphon gas like that. I mean, I know people where they've had to do that. It's not uncommon. You're punk rock. You don't get much money. You tour for a living. You that's how you make your money. That's how you eat. That's how you live. That's how you survive when you're in a punk rock band like this. It's it's how you live. I actually really love that about the opening. I love this sort of just slice of life we dropped in with this band. They're already in the van. We see that like they crashed kind of into one of them fell asleep at the wheel the night before, and they're in a cornfield. They're out of gas. Like, you know, luckily, that's the worst thing that's happened to them. And they quickly, like, band together and figure out, like, who's going to go get gas. They have a system. They go on a bike um, and they siphon gas along the way. And I just kind of like, like, this group, the way they're, like, surviving on the fringe. You know what I mean? Like, just surviving from the next gig to the next gig, like you said, Tyler. I absolutely love that, too. I think that's more a little bit of, like, 80s, 90s, more than what's, like, modern now. Because everyone has cars, they have PayPal, they have whatever the fuck they need to get money. But back in the True. day, from what I know from stories, I've known old school Kino Core motherfuckers. I've had to do that kind of shit just to survive and live and go to the next gig to play their shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, the film does a great job of just giving us that glimpse uh, that really you just you, you figure out like how, what this group's about. It does a really good job of just showing us like they're a little different, each person. But um, I don't know, this like they're you know, this camaraderie because of the, their bandmates, you know, and. And, and that's how it has to be. You have to have that brotherhood and companionship with your bandmates in order to have that. Because if you just hate each other, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be a good time. You're not going to be a band for long. You have to have that brotherhood in order to keep the band going. Well, it's like you said, the brotherhood, but it seemed like they were a family. I don't know, Jacqueline, did, what did you feel about the uh, character development at the beginning of this movie? Because I absolutely loved it. I thought it was just great as establishing each band member because you kind of knew what they did yes well to be honest with you i feel like it it does a good job of setting up the situation and the way their lifestyle works because this may come as a surprise to you but i don't know much about the punk rock lifestyle so um, oh, really? I, I i know it's a shocker but Sorry, i know you're a big coffin cats fan so that's i do me. actually i do love the coffin cats but i've they're they're like big though but um they're not that big well i don't know that I don't know. I thought they were, <laughs> but uh, um, I feel it's maybe it's one of those things like what, you know, seems, you know, well-known and what you don't know seems not well-known, but um, what was the point I was going to make? Oh yeah. So I agree with you guys that it does set up kind of what their lifestyle is like very quickly and effective. Like it, it, it communicates to me like, Oh, this is the way they live. This is the way they survive. They're obviously not getting much money. They kind of are just living gig to gig. Right. So I feel like it did, do it was very effective in portraying that i disagree though with the idea that they that they do a lot of character development um i don't feel like they really do much to distinguish the characters from one another very well we don't spend a lot of time with them i feel like for that to really happen in this story but i see what you're saying for to be honest with you throughout the whole movie i was like 
and this was my second time seeing it. My first time I saw it in the theater. So that granted that was seven years ago, but I felt like when I was taking notes, especially in the first like 45 minutes or so, I was just writing down like the, a guy hands something to another guy. Like, and I didn't know who was yeah, who. Yeah, I really wasn't. For, like, the situation they're about to walk into. Yeah, I feel like there there were not like finely drawn characters um, for the most part, at, at least in the first like half of the movie. By the end, I you know I, I was more familiar with kind of who was left, but like I couldn't really tell you much about Tiger or Reese. No specifically to be honest with you that's that's valid i mean because you don't you don't get enough time with these people too and nobody does have like a strong arc like you might be looking for in a narrative but um it's also like i said like the slice of life thing is like this takes place over a very short time so to see any real character growth when it might feel forced i don't know um there's like a little bit with the i guess with um pat's character um yeah um anton yeah how do you say his Art. last name? Yelchin? Yeltsin? Yelchin, yeah. Yelchin, I, think. I, don't know. Yeah. I could see I could see that being a drawback though. There isn't. And it's there's a fast pace to this movie, so there's not a lot of time spent anywhere. Yeah. I just feel like movie. if you're gonna have a feature like if you're making a short film, I think you can, you know, get a free pass on not really focusing on character development. You're just trying to tell a quick story. But I think in a feature length film, you should you should be developing your at least like one or two main characters. I do think that, I don't know, I think through the interview process with with Tadpole, I think that's a scene where you kind of see the more intimate side of these characters a little bit and how they interact when they're not just like siphoning gas to survive or showing up to a gig and setting up. But um, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, but I also... I'm not saying there's none, but I just, I think that in general, there's very little to distinguish most of the characters from each other, at least in the first half. I think the film still does a great job of establishing like, what they're about and like how they survive and like what mm-hmm. it's like to be in this band. They're more roles like the drummer, they're the singer, you know what I mean? They're the, the, uh, the bass player The you know, so it's like, they're sort of broken down into those roles and then given names. And you're right. There's no time to really be like, well, who is tiger? Like, what is he? There's a little bit of a dynamic to the group where we feel like once in a while there's tension, like they have a past at least it's enough to show us that like, these people are real. They have a past. There's real characters here, but we don't see enough of the band. I wish we saw a little bit more, to be honest. I, I think a lot was told in that interview. You know, what was the band yeah. that you would, or the one band that you would take to a deserted island? Yeah. You know, it, you kind of get a vibe of who they really were because one guy said Black Sabbath. I'm I like, feel That's like they cool. were all uh, felt pressured too to say like the cool, sound cool. Yeah. 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 Like nobody and wanted to that... say like, oh, Prince, you know, I'd love yeah. to hear Prince on the desert island. Yeah. Right. And, and that comes back later in the movie. Yeah. So I thought that twice that was an important part yeah. of the plot. So that, of... that turned into like a fun kind of repeat yeah. joke. That's gonna be a thing I want to say is I know a lot of people in town that like to be like super like hardcore and extreme, where they just like name off these hardcore bands that they love, even if they're on an island. And that's what I love about that movie, about them explaining their desert island band. What they right. were listening to if they're on an island is that they say like Prince or like um Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. It's like for me, my mine's always gonna be Green Day. Like that's where it started for me, and that's where it's always gonna be. Like people give me shit all the time. They have a wide selection of songs to choose from. Yeah. Oh man, the Dookie album is classic, man. Yeah, Dookie's Uh, great. Dookie. Oh, okay. I see, let's, I see let's like 11 and 12 year olds listening to Dookie these days. And I'm like, wow, how did you find this? How about you, Jacqueline? What would be your desert island band? The Beatles. Okay. Yeah. Hydra Fuck, man. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't Pantera. 
Pantera. Yeah. Big fan of Soundgarden. Oh wait, I want to change my answer. War plot. Well done. I was gonna wait till the end, like to ask everybody, but yeah, now we know. Jacqueline's war plot. I want the discography of war plot. John's war plot. Rob Zombie's discography. Actually, he probably actually he probably would be in my top five. Yeah. How about no, white zombie, not rap zombies. Mm-hmm. Well, can I just count them as one? Yeah, Thunder Kiss sixty five. Don't they say in yeah. the movie is like no, like because he asked if I get Black Sabbath, do I get Ozzy and Dio? Says, I think you should get all of Black Sabbath. Just count yeah, them all as one. Wait, 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 wait. What is Spider One up to? Did he drop? Oh my god! Recently, I'm, I'm tempted <laughs> to maybe change my pick. How, what is he? Did an awesome movie called Allegory. What is that? Spider Five. I said he did an awesome movie. Oh, Spider Five. He said, yeah, isn't he Motley Crue right now? No, no, no. He's talking about or, Rob Zombie's brother. No, yeah, he's in another band right now. What? Oh, is he? I don't know. Google. All right. I thought it was Motley Crue, but it might not be Motley and Crue. And we should have done this for news. We should have <laughs> reported on Spider One's new band. <laughs> just uh, All right, just back to quick, Green Room. Um, real quick, I love the cast. So I do just, I. I think everybody's cast very well. And like, what do you think about Patrick Stewart? I think that's like some people don't. I So you don't like it, Jacqueline? I, did, I didn't say anything. Oh, you made a face. Like it might you be got the look. <laughs> well, well, I feel ambivalent about it, to be honest with you, because uh, okay. A, I, I love Patrick Stewart. I love any opportunity to see him in literally anything. So I was like, yeah. And I, to- I had totally forgotten that he was in this. So when he first comes on the screen, I'm like, is that Patrick fucking Stewart? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then I was like, yes, it is Patrick fucking Stewart. How did I forget that? Um, I just, I don't know how I feel about him in this role. It's a weird role for him. Uh, I don't know if it's, like, totally believable. Like, in my heart, to me, I, I think of him as this, like, brave and true, like, good man. <laughs> like, it's just really hard He's for me to accept him as X-Men. a skin. Well, well, I think of him as the card, but yes. um, I, uh, I I don't know. I don't know if, if I can, like, There was that moment where he leaned man. over to Clark about the dogs, and he was like, number one, engage. Uh, that, I thought, was interesting. You know, I oh, know. I didn't pick that up. Yeah. No, I want to uh, chime in that I, I agree with Jacqueline. Like, yeah, me too. I, I love Patty Stu, but uh, <laughs> oh, Patty Stu is it? You guys must yeah, be cool. they're, they're on a nickname basis. Tight. They're tight. Oh, I'm punctured at the cinema. We butcher people's names on purpose, but uh, Patty it. Stu. Um, I don't know. Like, he just didn't Patty seem like he fit that yeah. role in a way. In my brain, I'm always thinking of Sons of Anarchy, and I'm thinking of Henry Rollins as like one of the head of the fucking skinhead. I, fucking, I don't know if you guys oh. watch Sons of Anarchy at all, but. I like I like his role in this. Uh, it is hard to get past though, like because he's a good actor. He I think he plays. He's the an role. amazing actor. I oh, just yeah. think like it's yeah. still hard to see like not the other characters that he's played. You know, like Xavier or yeah. Hard. Like yeah. But I do think that this is like I I like the fact that he went for it with this role, and I do like that he's yeah. not necessarily just because he's the leader of the skins doesn't mean he's like oi 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 pull on skin like. He's a businessman. He's an owner of property. Like he's like Brian Cox's character. I think it was Brian Cox in American History X. Was that the uh... Uh, fuck? I was actually gonna rewatch that movie. Fuck. I think because there was like a leader skin in that movie who wasn't like was that Brian Cox. I thought it was a young younger Brian Cox. I could be wrong though. But um, yeah, yeah. It seemed Cox. it seemed really out of place that Patrick Stewart like threw some racial slurs like later in the movie. Tyler, I'm with you. I think Henry Rollins would have been perfect for that. You know, he's a punk rock guy. He's from Black Flag. Dude would have been perfect for this role. I don't. I don't agree, man. I think Patrick Stewart can 
fucking he can act better on one leg than fucking Henry Rollins. Oh, I mean, yeah, I really I respect. Agree, I've yeah. seen Henry Rollins act well. Uh, what's I'm not the saying one he has. I just think for this role, I think because like you get the ending where like Patrick Stewart ends up dying. Like it, yeah. I don't, I don't see Henry Rollins portraying that that scene that well. Like. That's Not that really well, no, but as a better leader of a, like a skinhead tribe, like yes, but I think that's the thing. It's just a subversion. Like you don't just because he's the leader of the skins doesn't mean he's like one of the members. You know what I mean? He's not going to well, look. And also, I think he's outset. more of a leader like, of a drug trade more than a skinhead. Exactly. Rally. He's he's about a, a bunch of different things because that's what they're hiding under the green room, right? Is the right. drug preparation heroin? That's probably why they really don't want the cops even getting in there. No, that, not that just the murder, but what's below. Well, so I do respect that he's like playing against type and kind of doing something that's out on a limb for him. I definitely appreciate and respect that. I also agree that he he does bring uh, like a gravitas to the role. Like somebody who's in a leadership position has to be like in control and like calm and composed. And Mm -hmm. he's very like, obviously like very intelligent and like, you know, maintaining control of the situation or at least attempting to. He's he 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 comes off as a leader. I do agree with that. Um, but this kind of like sordid world that he's in, I don't know if that like agree- maybe I just don't like that. But I, I'm not going to say he does it badly. I think he does it. I think he does the best possible job that anybody could with the role. I just I don't know if I can like really buy it from him. I feel 100 percent with you because I mean there was there, there was this. <clears throat> The one thing that really felt out of place for me, not only the racial slur, but like when he closes down the the, the venue, you know, he, he talks about, you know, we're doing this racial thing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, on Wednesday, we'll come back on Sunday and free drinks. Mm-hmm. It just felt really out of place to me. It felt to me more like he's sort of like a community leader in this in this I, world, right? Like these I kids know, may it, be like skins, but like they're coming to him as like for guidance and like a place to to hang out to get drunk to like they come here for shows and and these are his his troops right these are the people that feed on the shit that he's teaching them right so he mm-hmm. obviously yeah you know keep coming back because he wants them to come in for the music and then what does he do he brainwashes them into being you know fucking hate mongers but boneheads yeah so i think i think it works good where he's sort of like te- he's speaking to them sort of like teenagers or young adults like hey guys come back and we'll you know, we'll hook you up again. We'll make it up for the night, blah, blah, blah. Because so, he wants to keep them coming here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as they like probably help out with his drug trade. He's got, he's got skins down there with boot red strap laces, which means they've murdered before. Those are skins that have murdered, and they're ready to murder again and go back to jail again. Yeah, you too. Have to I've known skins like that. I, I don't associate with them, but I've known people like that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, definitely that's like part of their... They're part of their rake, right? Like, is they give that one guy the red laces at some point? Like, that's the well. Top they have a whole army of red laces. And yeah, stuff. he's looking for like um, ground troops. I think he says, and he true says, believers. He calls them two, two to three more red, uh, red, red straps. I believe yeah. he said. I do. I was also surprised, not surprised necessarily, but like how organized this situation gets really, really fast on the skin side. But, it's actually what I liked about this movie. I mean, it's fucked up, but it's pretty impressive. And I think it's it's kind of how it goes when you're making an organized crime syndicate circle yeah. ring like that, is that you have to be on top and you have to be, you you, you, you got to know how to make the rules and fit the rules and make other people bend your rules and fit within your system of what you need to be, even though it's really fucked up kind of a system. But I, yeah, I don't know. And we see like the tears to it, right? We see like, 
Clark, who runs like that one uh, area where they keep the cash and he's in charge of the dogs. They always show him locking the door. Like every time yes. they leave that area, he locks the door. And then you got uh, what Blair Blair is one of the underlings that's sort of like coming up in this. And so it's, it's just interesting to see how quickly they're able to, you is know, that the guy that was in the murder here. party movie also making Blair. Uh, well, this was created by the murder party. Uh, yeah. 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 It's the same writer and director. Yeah. So that's oh, yeah. another thing is like not just the band members, but like most of the skinheads. I couldn't. I don't. I can't distinguish between most of them either. Well, you're not supposed to. I feel yeah, like. You anyway. like I don't know who the fuck Blair Daniel. is. I don't know who the fuck Clark is. I know Daniel. Well, Clark's and the I know... one with the beard who runs the dogs. He okay. was like the main in charge guy, other the than fucking... the one working with uh, Darcy. Right? I must just own Darcy, Gabe, and uh, and uh, Daniel. That's about it. Yeah. Oh no, Justin, I'm thinking Gabe. Then. I'm sorry. No, yeah, Gabe, was, Gabe no, is yeah. like the kind of mild mannered manager who like answered the phone when the police called yeah, back yeah, yeah. and then he Darcy the one who was like ringed him out for fucking, it. With the power washer at the end. Yeah. Um no, it was Clark was the one with the dogs. So And then Big Justin is the one that got his fucking stomach ripped open with a oh, fucking yeah, I know box. That, that was rad. That That's was what rad. I was gonna ask you guys. What'd you guys think about the gore of this movie? I awesome. I think this film has a realistic value to its uh its gore it's never like exploitative it's not too much i i think that it's a weird statement to make but i think it's sort of beautiful uh how like i don't know just it's intense anytime there's violence used on the screen it's it's effective agreed yeah it's not excessive um to me the most indelible image of of the violence in this movie for me is the wound that Pat gets on oh his arm God. and wrist oh, when he's like reaching God. through the door and trying to keep hang on to the gun and um and then it's like his wrist is like almost falling apart and gloved. Yeah. Fucking gnarly, dude. Yeah. That and was... it, but it looks so realistic, but it's not like excessive. It's not done for shock value. It just like is what it is. And so I found it I thought it was very well done. Both in Maybe appearance and in like quantity. It. It looks like he's like a meat cleaver to chop his fucking arm up or That's, something. That Maybe is what a box like. cutter. I was, feel like was it like the a box very cutter? Sharp box cutter. Well, it's so deep. Yeah, yeah it was. You can cut it was that really deep with a box deep. cutter. That's like fast. he's like butter. Well, he had like four, right? Like mm-hmm. his yeah. wrist was almost coming off, or his oh, hand was like, almost coming off. Yeah, it's like Heidelberg's background here. And then they wrap it up. I didn't notice. Tiger wraps it up in fucking. Duct tape, tape. Yeah, which like when he when he gets work. medical attention, how are they going to get that off without absolutely oh killing him? Yeah, he's, Jesus Christ! I thought about that too. He's going to need morphine just to like get that shit off. That is one of the best effects, I think. Also, I love <sighs> the jump scare of when they get out of the room for the first time, and Daniel helps him out, and he's like, "There's a shotgun over here." Two, and you just he just gets blasted. And it's oh, like a yeah. deflated moment too, because you're like you're starting oh, to get hopeful. Out. You're yeah. starting to get hopeful, and then bang. There's a couple scenes like that where like and they it's like right to through it. a little bit. Yeah, it's it's right, like right through his face, and it's like, like gnarly. Yeah. He got shot from the other side, and you see yeah, something come out the other side of his face. It's like yeah. holy fucking and shit. I, dude. I do like kind of how the plot like keeps you in the same state as the bandmates. Like we don't have any extra clues. We don't yeah. really know much more than the characters in the film. Sometimes some films will show you as the audience way more first and then you know more, but we don't know as much. Really, we're stuck in this room with them and it feel you feel that way. You're like, fuck, like we don't really know. I agree. I, I think this creates some anxiety as as you're going through the movie because you are with the characters. You connect yeah. with them. And we're piecing it together. We find out that yep. Daniel was with Amber and they were gonna leave and they had a murder weapon that they possibly oh, he was with Amber, he was with the other girl. I'm the girl sorry, not, yeah, Emily, Emily, I meant yeah. Emily, yeah. Emily. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, we find out that he was with her and like all this other stuff that's been going on. So it's like these kids from um, Ain't Right just kind of walked in at the worst moment into yeah. this situation. And that's what I do yeah. love about this film. It's sort of situational. It's just like fucking pads crossed and crazy shit went ha- happened and nobody planned it. I even thought this viewing, I was like, Tadpole got his life threatened by Reese. And I was like, what if that fucker sent them there knowing that they might get their asses kicked? Like, not necessarily this, but like, maybe my cousin and the skins would fucking kick this punk band's ass. But I don't really think that. Yeah, I I thought that for a moment, but I think he might have been genuine. He was like, I just want to make it up to you guys. Like, here's a real show. And I just, read it, I read it that way. Yeah, he gives some advice too. He's like, bad. play your older stuff. It's harder. Like, don't talk politics. Stick with my cousin. Get in and get out. Get your 350 bucks. Oh, man. I absolutely loved that they were like, let's get on stage and let's play Dead Kennedys. Nazi <laughs> Fuck off. Is that who it was? Dead Kennedys? Yeah. Dead Kennedys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I recognize that song. My brother, Paul, the, the guy that created that, um, he actually, he loves it. Really, so, yeah. I love but how I mad they get in the audience when they're playing that. Yeah, what I love that the so audience that? is not feeling them at all. Yeah. No, not until they kick into the next song. And then there's a great like music montage of like it's slow motion, and then they're like really getting into it, and like but we're not hearing day. the actual music. Yeah, I like that because we're just yeah. seeing them like in the element playing. Yeah, like, exactly. They look awesome, and we're getting a glimpse of kind of what's going on. Also, some exposition of like, well, here's the girls, and something shady. You see her with the note or whatever. Yeah, and you know that like, all right. The, the cameras like queuing us in on these two characters. Like, what do they mean? Um, I do. I do like the the way this community is sort of set up. Like, we don't get a long time here, but I think the filmmaker does a really good job of a introducing us to this band, bringing our band to this place where we don't really know who's going, like who's who at first, like Blair and Clark. And like you said, maybe you didn't get enough time to really figure out who's who. But I think the film does a good way of sort of keeping it that way on purpose, I think, too, so that like we're just we're clueless as 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 is the band like we we're in a foreign land we don't know who these people are we don't know where the exits are and we're just like fucking out of our element and this band is seriously out of their element they may be hardcore punk but these skins are like uh, something else here with this movie is not playing a show you're supposed to play and you get a random show somewhere out that you don't even know where it's at it's filled with these fucking bonehead nasty pussy fucks and then you have to play for them. And like, holy shit, am I going to die right now? Because I, I don't agree with these people. And I have to play for these motherfuckers. And they suck ass. But <laughs> I got to play a show. And am I going to get murdered for this or what? Like, that's that's frightening to me. And that's why I like this movie a lot. Because I found out about this movie through Straight Chilling. I listened to their review on it. And that's why I watched it for the first time. And I watched it. I was like, this is fucking frightening. This is terrifying. Yeah, but they they did the first song from the Dead Kennedys, and they were they they were like, "Fuck it, let's piss these people off." And then they realized what was going on in the first place. But it wasn't. They just started playing their hardcore shit, and people liked that shit. And the dude said, "What's that one song you guys played?" Yeah, I murder her to that song. That song was that was crazy. That's fucked up. Yeah, the second to the last song. Yep. Yeah, that was crazy. Tyler, I jokingly asked you before, like, oh, so has this situation ever happened to you? But a serious question, in your musical life, have you ever had encounters with people like this and felt, like, uh, threatened or uneasy? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's There's been some 
old school skins that still hang around the scene every now and then. But we've been doing our job lately to push them out. We have a song called What's Left about the scene dying because of racist skinhead motherfuckers being within the scene. So we called it What's Left, What's Left of a Dying Scene, and we're trying to push them out and everything like that. And we still are to this day. They still show around. It sucks ass, but it's up, it's up to us, the younger bands, to push them out and make the new way for a new generation. Good for you. Keep fighting that good fight. That's what we do. Awesome. So, uh, what were you going to say? Oh, so I was going to go back to something you said a couple minutes ago, Hydraberg, where you were talking about how it's, you know, it's a, it's an effective, like, it, the, the movie's effective in that we are very much aligned with the characters in the band, and we don't know much more than mm-hmm. they do. And so I was thinking about how that connects to something that really works for me with this movie, which is that I actually think this functions not exactly the same way, but in a similar way to like a home invasion movie. I was just, yeah. And I absolutely love home invasion movies. It's one of my favorite kind of subgenres. Never thought about it. Well, because A, it's very realistic. It's something mm-hmm. that could absolutely happen. Um, there are no supernatural elements here. This is strictly like a situational thing that just arises, right? And so if you compare this to something like The Strangers, <clears throat> there's a difference here in that with The Strangers, like the attack on the characters in that movie, it's planned ahead of time and coordinated. What happens in Green Room kind of spontaneously arises because we have these characters who are in the wrong place at the wrong time. However, even though the situation arose spontaneously, the skinheads and this whole group of people, nonetheless, even though this wasn't expected, these they still have a very coordinated and organized response that like isolates and cuts off and like controls the characters who are being like victimized. You know what I mean? Yeah, they need like, the situation to go a certain way in order for them to cover it up properly, too. So yeah, they're like trying exactly. to put everything in a But like they direction. have the upper hand. Like yeah, they they, right. they have greater numbers. They have more weapons. They have more like like the the band members. They don't really have much in the way of bargaining power. No. Um, and so they're very much under the control of these outside forces. Um, right. So to me, That's it right. functions. It functions kind of similarly, not exactly the same, but similarly to a home invasion movie, which for me is what really works the best. About I, it. I can imagine yeah. myself in this scenario. Like, what would I do? Like, I don't play in a band, but like, what would I do if I were in this place that I'm not familiar with and I accidentally witnessed something? And how would I handle that? Am I going to negotiate with this guy on the other side of the door? Am I going to believe him when he says he's just going to let us go? Or am I going to try to fight my way? You know, it's like it it forces you to ask those questions of yourself as a viewer. And I really love that. And I, I love that about both home invasion movies and this movie. Yeah, Jacqueline, I'm with you. I think it's like a controlled chaos. I mean, like you said, the, the, the bad guys have control of the situation, but it's chaos. You know, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but they're preparing for it which is like it's like a it's like a perfect storm you know it's like like we don't know what's going to happen but we're ready for it Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and the group on the the band they're not ready for anything they don't know not at all exactly they have no idea how to get out of this situation and they handle themselves relatively well at first at least for like trying to put their their well-being first but they they're gullible a little bit, but also mistrust things at the same time. So it's like mm-hmm. it's a sticky situation because you want to believe what the guy on the other side of the door is telling you because you want to get out. Right. But yes, red flags start showing up. Where are the police? Yeah. How come they haven't come and questioned us yet? Oh, you handled it already? Well, that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Police don't work that way. Like, Yeah, that doesn't yeah, uh, d- no. doesn't bode well for me. Yeah. So like, what are we doing now? Oh, you just want to come inside. OK, like 
every time mm -hmm. they do give the skinheads a little inch, they take a mile and they get closer and closer to yeah, there's no exit. They don't know where to go. There's nowhere to go. And they're, like you said, they're bargaining chips. They have hardly any. They have the Justin, big Justin or whatever, the guy, which yeah. they kill eventually anyway. So, yeah. And they had the gun, but then they gave up the gun. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of true. back and forth. Uh, it's unfortunate. It, the, one of my gripes of this film, and it's something that also makes it enjoyable, is like, this is a frustrating film to watch. Like, you get upset. There's moments where you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Or like, <laughs> yes. There, or like people die. We're just like, holy shit, they fucking killed, you know, Sam or whatever. Like she yeah. goes outside and everything falls apart when they first go outside the, the the room for the first time. Everybody's in waiting somewhere. There's a like you said, the skins are just they're they're a, every, like 10 steps ahead of you. Yeah. There are so many more of them. And this is their home court. Like you're yep. just you're a visit. You're a fish out of water. And they've even come up with a scam, a, a, a scam for you to look like you were siphoning gas off their property. And hopefully the dogs kill you. So that way. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Room. That's pretty genius, though. I ain't going to lie. It yeah. is. And that's where I think that Patrick Stewart shines in those parts where he. It's not all his plan, though, because I think Clark is like also a big contributor. Do you to, mean Gabe? Uh, Gabe was like. Or do you actually mean Clark? Clark no, was the, the bearded guy, one. Clark, yeah. With okay. the dog. Because Gabe, the dog Gabe made some decisions that like. He did. Well, Darcy he handled was not the situation early on. Yeah. He got the door closed. He got them se separated from the concert the going police. on. Yeah, he yeah. talked to police. Like he which Darcy was not happy about. And so, like, I I don't mean to say that they had like a perfect that they had like perfect coordination because no. there they, were there was some dissension in the ranks. You know, like Darcy was like, "Why the fuck did you do that?" And you know, not everybody is like on the same page. But generally speaking, they definitely have like um the much the upper hand. Well, it was a controlled chaos. I mean, that's what it was. There was there there was a plan upon a plan, which was, you know, it seemed more plausible. There was a gratuitous use of fire extinguisher in this movie, though. <laughs> but effect it was done effectively. Like it was fine, but I mean there's no way a fire extinguisher could last. I would have that, that long. many puffs in it. <laughs> I mean, she used well, it I'm like it was like. I need to do some research. Like, how many seconds will a fire extinguisher <laughs> continuously know. spread? Yeah, but she used it like four times. It was. Maybe there were two. This is John's <laughs> trash bag. That fire extinguisher. <laughs> All right, fire extinguisher. That's mine. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, it, you might be right though, but it, I do think it, it seemed like believable in the scene where she's like, she's got no fucking weapons because she's there. These kids aren't fighters. Like, they're not. Yeah, they're not these kind of fighters. They're not. They like, like Simon and Garfunkel, for God's sake. Yeah, it's like you need to bury a bury a fucking machete in somebody's face. And Madonna right and Prince. Yeah. So, but they're I do doing think the best that, they can. <laughs> I do think the film does a good way of like they push further and further. They get out of the room and they're pushed back upon, and every time they're overwhelmed. And like we lose key characters that were just I, when you're watching this film the first time, you're like, holy shit, like fucking half the band's gone already i agree and yeah. you're like what the fuck am i even watching here like where is this going oh it's fine. film has a a a melange if you will of <laughs> sort of vibes to it you know what i mean where it's like it's a thriller it's it's got that home invasion vibe it there's some dark comedy at play here even during some of the tense moments there's some levity once in a while through a fucked up joke my man tells a story of playing uh what was it um paintball Yep. And that's supposed to inspire everybody. And then one of his bandmates just interrupts him because like, yo, we got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't come into play. We don't have time later, for this. <laughs> and that's their attitude too. When they leave the room, it's like, well, fuck it. We don't know what else. They're, they're, well, I love the fact that they call back to that, 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 
paintball story, though. Yeah, he does finish the story. Yes, he does. Yeah, he brings it back, which is is pretty cool. I thought they they end up going through a plant. They use a plant to disguise themselves and like hide. And that was pretty ingenious, I thought. But Hydroberg, I agree with you. That was pretty funny when he's like trying to tell this inspirational story and he's just like, ah, we don't have time for this. We got to. Yeah, you done? (laughs) That's funny. You guys found comedy in this because usually I'm the kind of guy that likes like super, super dark humor and I can laugh at anything in the world. But this movie, I didn't chuckle. I didn't find any comedy at all. I, I don't know if I laughed out loud, but I very like deep in the and dark. And I just like so immersed into this movie. Like, what are these people going to do? How are they going to get out of this? Like, what the fuck is going to happen to this band? I think there's like yeah. a camaraderie between the bandmates too that I picked up on early on, where like once they're interacting in this situation and trying to figure out what to do, they're panicking, but at the same time, I don't know. I can sort of see into those those relationships they have as characters, like when we're not around. So we, I think it pick, I think I pick up on a little bit of like comedic tone sometimes in their, their responses to one another or like just them arguing sort of like, I don't know. I guess when when they're looking up on the ceiling and and Sam's like, Oh my God, there's asbestos in there. It's like, it might be asbestos. It might be, but asbestos right now, like you're about to get their biggest problem. Yeah. It's not your biggest problem. Yeah, but, no, Hyderberg, I totally felt that way, too. I, I was definitely picking up on that and enjoying it. Yeah, I think we found the first movie that the dog didn't actually die or the dogs. Right? Well, the dog killed two motherfuckers. God damn. Right, but the, but dog the dogs were raised to do that. And I, the dogs yeah, are actually an endearing fault. part of this film. There's a there's a wonder to them that like they're used as terrorizing like weapons. Yes, of destruction. Yep. We see them. Kill, I hate that. Yeah, we see I them kill Tiger, like just destroy Tiger. What was what was that thing that he ejected into that last dog? I don't know. If, was uh, that like a hormone adrenaline to give it like adrenaline? Yeah. Now yeah. didn't yeah. Like it was going to die hour. soon. Why was it going to die? I didn't think it was. Yeah, he says because it got shot. Then... I think Sam shot oh, it. Sam did get it. Okay, I didn't think Sam got it. I didn't. I didn't see that though. She, she might have hit the ground and maybe some buckshot hit it or something because it didn't look like she was able to hit it. Well, the dog dies right after. Did the dog die at the end? Well, we don't them, see we don't see the dog die at the end. I don't know, but I do love just that laid ending. on its owner, like put yeah. its head down on it on his arm. I actually really like the ending Sad. where like um just really quick skipping like the paintball story and how they survive through the green room. But just when they finally get out and like the tone of it all, like they let what's his name go. He runs off for help. That we see the dog who got out a while earlier still wandering around. And then like we get the moment of with Clark and and Darcy, where the kids sneak up on on Amber's and uh, Pat sneak up on them, and they don't foresee that happening because they think they're dead and they've underestimated them and their right. their their will to survive. Um, and and I overestimated just, their own dumbass little yeah, minions. Yeah, and I just kind of <laughs> like how the tables have turned there for a moment. And like Clark, he goes to talk, and just Amber just fucking shoots him in the gut, like he's done. Fuck yeah. I love that. I love how they take over the situation and, you know, get the gun from them and stuff like that through the van, through the window opening. I thought that was great. And just like, I like how Darcy just succumbs where like, he's like, he knows there's nothing he could fuck it. He just walks, he refuses to deal with it. He's going to walk away from the whole situation and maybe turn and draw his gun, but he doesn't have a chance because they just blow him away. Well, he shoots three shots to get him down though. Yeah. But I just thought he does shoot like two, right? Yeah. He shoots one. Yeah, but not at, he doesn't get it. I just like the way it plays out, though. Like it's it it's still like I said with the violence in this film. I think they do a really good job of just the, violence the entire thing. It's just very effective. Like that scene is just not played out. Like oh my god, we're shooting a guy in the head. Like 
but it's a vill it's the villain getting his comeuppance and not everything is clean cut though at the end like it's not a happy ending everybody's dead it fucking uh pat's probably gonna lose his arm like he's probably gonna lose that thing and amber's fucking obviously dealing with some ptsd like they she's shot in the leg or something isn't yeah she's fucked up and then i love how the dog comes up and kind of cuts the scene a little bit where you're just like oh shit and they train their weapons on it but it just waddles past and it goes and lays with its dead master and i just kind of thought that was like that's what i mean there's like a beauty in this film it's a weird mix I've got a question for that, though. Even though Amber was a part of the fucking white supremacy Nazis, she's trying to get out and everything. Would you feel sympathetic for her, though? I wouldn't at all. It's kind of like uh, a bonus. I think like that's you, a good you question. Nazi, you got to put a swastika for it to know that you were a fucking SS well, army guy. You know what I'm saying? People people get wrapped up in the wrong crowd. That happens. And then people change. Uh, so I feel like she could be one of those kind of characters that's like, she got wrapped up in this situation. She wanted out, has no idea how to even get out. And then maybe. Was, let me ask you this. Was the woman that got murdered, like stabbed in the head, was that her lover? Or were yeah, they? Yeah, that was just her friend. Yeah. That was Daniel's friend. lover. Yeah. I think she was with oh, Worm, it like right? She was with Worm, but yeah. then she was going to leave with Daniel. No, yeah. she was with Daniel, but Worm found out that they were going to leave together, and that's when he stabbed oh, her. And, oh, that's oh, right. I thought that's she right. was cheating okay. on Worm. Well, and they, so they had that bat wrapped up in from last Easter. plastic, which, right. which, which so was a w- murder that was weapon evidence. that that Worm used. Remember what Patrick okay. Stewart says, like, oh, Worm helped us out, like, in a time. So he must have killed for them. And if you visited him in jail, you'd be a brother to him. Yeah. Right. Said. Yes. Okay. So, the, you know, something happened previously that kind of boosted Worm up in the ranks as far as, like, his notoriety in the group, um, okay. that they were able to shuffle him out there. But Darcy gave him bad heroin on purpose to sh- to, to, to cut oh. that guy. Yeah, he I says that's when he uses it. the racial slur, right? He gets it out there to, to imply that the, the heroin that they're getting, who knows what they got because there's that bad heroin. And I'm not going to say the word that he said, but like mm-hmm. he says it oh, as if God. implying like you never know where they're getting their junk, even well, though he's t- the one that it gave was just it to weird. Him. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, Patrick I didn't even know that. Thing. He was yeah, killing was them like- off already just without doing it on the premises. He knew that they were going to get high after and they were going to all OD. So I think it, so I thought it was Sorry, awesome the way that she used that gal that like you know to have oh, yeah, that other guy with the fire the three shells yeah and then called it out for Pat yeah. so he yeah. knew what was going one. on one he's got two more save? left and then she comes down and saves the day which I do love I love that, that was Pat true. wasn't able to overcome the guy because he's fucking his arms he's one arm and he's like he's not a very he's tough guy and like. This chick's pretty fucking tough. I like that she comes down and saves the day. Like it wasn't the dude saved himself. What were you gonna say, Jacqueline? So I wanna I wanna go back to something that both Hyderberg and Tyler said. Um, Hyderberg, you first. You were just saying about like um, Patrick Stewart implying that the heroin was like contaminated or something because he knew they were all gonna get high. So that kind of brings up a, the other main thing that I did not love about this movie, which is that I actually. I felt kind of stupid, but I found the dialogue really hard to follow. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it was like, I don't know what it was. I feel like there was a lot of abbreviated speech. I feel like there was a lot of lingo being used that maybe I just don't know. And I feel like there was a lot of like missing antecedents. In other words, like saying he, but not like not making it clear who is like he, like oh. that could refer to any yeah. number of people. And so 
um, I, I found it really difficult to follow some of the dialogue. Um, and so one of the things, there were several things that I did not pick up on at all in this movie that I only figured out by reading the like plot description on Wikipedia. I had no idea that Patrick Stewart was giving them like contaminated heroin. Yeah, because yeah, he said that. Heidelberg just said that right now. Okay, right? you he said that the heroin isn't labeled. It doesn't have their label on it and that it could be, uh, you know, and he blames another race for the, the bad batch of heroin. So, yeah, just the, the way that that was communicated did not like penetrate my brain. Like there was yeah. something that he no. said about like, I I remember a line where he says, my dope N-word stamps it in case they end up in jail for possession and it's like that did not like make sense yeah so he's that have anything to guy, do don't with... worry it's not our stuff like it's stamped oh. somebody else's brand so oh and then okay. when they die from it i realize that like well he already knew it was bad dope like he gave it oh. he so gave him loaded dope on purpose i didn't realize that that was happening at all. Yeah, because it, that was his way of cleaning things up that mm -hmm. night okay. I, I get that I now that but yeah Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me, <laughs> but there were several. I do think it's part like of the that. pacing too, because like once the once the thing happens in the room, the pace of this film picks up like a breakneck. Absolutely, and even Absolutely. those moments where they are structuring, like here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna send these guys in with the dogs and blah blah blah. And it's like all very it's organized, and so like I understand why they're able to go fast through those motions. But as an audience, yeah, yeah like kind of slow down, guys, for a moment, and kind of like because. Like you said, maybe we haven't figured out who Clark is and who Gabe is. And like, uh, we didn't spend a lot of time world building in this world. But I think that's one of the charms, too, of the film is that we're able to move in so fast and still get like a great story. And I think that's part of the charm is that like you get in and out and like you get no real closure. That's OK, though. I'm OK with that. I like that part of the ending. And like, it's not a happy story. It's it's like no. every everybody suffers in this fucking film. Yeah. at the end. Like, it's just horrible. Uh but no, I can see that, too, because yeah, they, they sort of just like you go over here and you do this. And then we don't really find out what's happening until later, until like they leave the room. Yeah. And now, like, does that make a huge difference in in my experience of the story? No, but I was like very aware during my viewing experience that I was not picking up on everything. I'm and thinking so maybe it's a choice by the director filmmakers too to to keep you sort of out of the loop a little and, bit maybe. And maybe so and that's okay. So I you know, I got it on a macro level, but there was some micro stuff that I just didn't pick up on. And then the other thing I wanted to say just going back to something Tyler said several minutes ago, you were asking about Amber and like does she deserve any compassion? And you were like not for me. So, you know, uh, we want I think we want to root for her because she also was trying to escape and she's like at least for the moment on the same side as our protagonists, like trying to defeat these other people. However, she's, she's not like an innocent angel. I mean, no. yeah, she might be trying to get out of this lifestyle, but even within the time frame of this movie, somebody's like, why are you like with these people or whatever? And she's like, well, the people who hurt me weren't white. Yeah. That's it's like, right. that's still her mindset. That's her. That's still her mindset. And that is uh, highly yeah, suspect. Okay. Well, it's I mean, she's not going to change overnight. That's for sure. Like, obviously, she's from this group. Uh, this film has a weird way of kind of making some of these people sympathetic, too, which is odd. Like, that is really odd. Like Daniel. Daniel's a sympathetic character, like even though he's a skin. Like, right. Yeah, but when you meet him, it's it. like, well, it's Tadpole's cousin and he's trying to escape and he was falling in love with this woman. It's a complex world. And when you're in a world like this with skins, it makes it even more complex. And it's like to watch this. Because you, you sort of hate the film for like making you feel that way a little bit. You're sort of like, well, 
well, what the fuck? These are skinheads. I'm not supposed to even feel for these characters. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good trick to pull off. And so, and I'm not going to say that she deserves no compassion. I mean, like I agree yeah. with you. They humanize her, and she's trying to achieve something, but uh, she also doesn't get a free pass from no. Her. And the oh, way they no. paint her and Emily is like sort of like they're groupies of this band of these bands or this. Like, I'm not saying it's it's <laughs> it's okay, but that is sort of how they're painted a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say groupies. They just seem like they're girlfriends of people in the scene or the bands or something. Well, maybe, but they're I like the way they're treated. Like, they're not exactly know. treated with respect. So, like, I didn't Once see them as like girlfriends. That's all I gotta say. Like, like <laughs> Worm didn't tra- strike me as a kind of guy who's like romantic and has a girlfriend. You know what I mean? He has women that he beds, and that's you know. And it seems that was like a very thrown- polite way of saying it. Yeah, it seems like they're thrown to him in this world. Like he's you know he's he's held up. As like, you know, oh, he could be one of the highest ranked, you know, of us. I don't know how it works, but it's a scary. I think the realistic nature of this film, though, is what makes it really scary to me. Um, It does. It really does. It's got no monsters in it. It's got no zombies. It's got. But man, it's got some of the worst humans you can encounter. And to be in this kind of situation and these situations, like you said, Jacqueline, they happen. These kind of things. People see things they're not supposed to see. Uh, Mm -hmm. Other people are put into situations where they have to make a split decision on like, is my freedom more important than this person's life? Because if I let them out of this room, they're going to tell what they, they just saw. And plenty of crimes play out that way. And it's yeah. interesting to see this. I, I don't know the way this. Yeah, film I thought the aesthetic right? was beautiful, though. That, that, like the surrounding of Oregon where it's just isolated, but it's open, I guess. There's a lot of green the- hues used too, like the filtering yeah. and the cinematography, which I think is great. The way the she- all the scenes are shot and framed. Yeah. And there's a lot of green. A second ago. Sorry, he was. Uh, I, I, like... I don't even remember. I'm sorry. Okay, I just don't want you to. I don't want <laughs> you to. Are you talking about the girls on. or the role of uh of the band or whatever? I don't, I don't remember. Just continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have short-term memory loss. <laughs> well, Hydraberg, you were saying at the beginning, I think when we were doing Fox or Sucks, that you saw this. You've seen this movie twice now, and you yeah. picked it because the first time it just really stuck with you. Can you recall what the like primary thing is that really stuck with you when you were remembering this movie and choosing it for the I think show? It's their situation, how dire it is, and uh, the violence too. I just remember the violence being like, like dialed up a little bit, but not over the top to the point where it's just it's it still seems realistic. And there's moments of just I just remember like I'm rooting for them to get out of the room, but man, every turn they're met with opposition they're met with dogs they're met with guns they're met with over overpowered numbers um and then when when help comes to aid that dude gets shot in the face and like so every time there seems to be hope they're shot down a peg and then like or knocked down a peg but they fight back as best they can Mm -hmm. and i kind of like the chaos of the film where it's like nobody ever really comes into their own. We're like, oh, I'm a fucking super powered punk rocker and I'm going to kick all the Nazi ass. Like, that's not how real <laughs> life is. These guys barely get out of there. And I kind of like the fact that this film, I don't know, it's a thrill ride to go on for, for an hour and 35 minutes. Like, you're just like along for this crazy ride. And there are moments that I wish I had more of and maybe things that they could have played less. But overall, like, it's still a great film i think it's really well put together i think it's one of the best films of this filmmaker's um career i've seen um murder party and uh what's the other one blue blue ruin blue ruin yeah i haven't seen blue ruin but i heard it's pretty good the guy who played gabe is like the lead in blue ruin and all three of them right uh no i don't think he's the murder party guy is he 
He's in Murder Party, though. Maybe. He might be one of the hoity-toity, like, artists. Murder Party's a fucking fantastic film. Oh, my He's God. He's the guy that gets punched in the ass by the other guy in Murder It's Party. such a great indie, like, horror film. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Murder Party's great. Yeah. We gotta do that on the show. We should. Yeah, this is Straight Chillin's why I watched that movie. That movie is awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, I seen it once before Straight Chillin', and then I watched it again when they covered it. Well, yeah, dadgummit, it, somebody pick it. Somebody pick it for a yeah. spreadsheet. We'll figure mm-hmm. it out. We'll put it in there. I think we got plans for Halloween, but we do have we plans for Halloween. We, we got you plans for the next like seven months. We can do murder party <laughs> whenever, bro. Anytime is a good time to party and murder. <laughs> I said, you guys got to do Cannibal the Musical and get me back on that for that shit. All right. Cannibal the Musical? <laughs> we need more trauma on this show. Like Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Come on, Doug. That sounds yeah. like such a good time. Let me just pen that one right in. I'll Those get are my that. heroes right there. Those are my It's gods. a musical. It's trauma. Oh my god! I mean, uh, it's got all the makings of a. Uh, we should do Toxic Avenger. Poultry guys. Yeah. We should. God, we should. I'm surprised we've never thought about that before. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Anyway, <laughs> real quick. Um, uh, I mentioned the beauty and the violence. I, I do. I do like that the band's interview. If you notice, it's playing over the radio at the very end. Yeah. 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 It's finally been played on the radio, which I thought was funny. Um, Breakfast with Champions. And Pat says to Amber, I I know what it would be. To which she replies, What? What would be? And he tells her, He knows the Desert Island band he's going to pick. And she says, Tell someone who gives a shit. End of (laughs) the last line. Love that they never tell you what band it was. Well, there's some online speculation that it's CCR. Yeah. Because uh, CCR? Oh, hell yeah, dude. I know. Well, I think, think that, that plays over the over the credits. Oh, okay. So there could be worse picks than CCR. That's it's true. It's a pretty like, good. Like I think it's a pretty good choice. Ooh. Anyway, I thought overall, like I just do like I like the cast in this film, and I like I like all the unknowns that are in it. I thought there's a ton of unknowns as far as the skinheads and stuff, and uh, we even see some people playing out of character. Uh, which Maybe I Justin looked familiar to me from somewhere, but I don't know. Yeah, Justin's been in some shit. I, I thought know. he looked like David Harbor for a while. I thought he was David Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> David Harbor. Jackman, I thought the same exact thing. I had so to too? look that okay. up, and he, he dude's like yeah. six foot four. He's been in a few things. He when they fucking cut his belly him. open, I was like, oh, dude, that shit's gnarly. Yeah, yeah. Just to like, see, if you can see like the layer of fat that he had like on his skin. It looked cool. <laughs> yeah, like that was pretty good. Or just like when they're like, "Oh, there's no blood." Yeah, like, it's like it was like a alive. zipper. And that yeah. guy like pulls worm pulls her fucking the knife out of her head, and he goes, "There, there it is. There's the blood." Is that like, practical, oh, Jacqueline? Is that in your yeah. trivia? As far as I know, I don't have a. I don't know it's specifically so about that, but there was very little um, CGI used, so I would yeah. imagine that that was practical. Okay, it all looks pretty yeah, bad. that that was an awesome scene. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. So yeah, all right. Well, you guys want have any other major points to make? Or are we ready to wrap this up and give our review? I actually just want to mention one thing real quick. Mm-hmm. When they put the microphone on the speaker to make the feedback to drive out the dogs out of the venue is genius because I was watching it here yesterday. And they did that with the feedback. And my cats I have two kitties here. And um, they hated that feedback sound on the really? TV. Their hair just went up. And they were, like, looking at the TV. Like, what in the fuck is that bullshit going on? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was genius. I was like, that's a great way to derive animals or flesh-eating animals in this movie, apparently. That yeah. To get them away from you. Like, that's genius. Like, that's yeah. a great job. It was very resourceful. I, I there were quite a few resourceful moments by the characters, like when Amber's, you know, kind of 
tricking what's his name into firing off his shotgun shells and then calling out the number to him and the feedback thing there were there were quite a few resourceful things they made some stupid decisions here and there oh yeah but they also made some clever decisions and darcy even says to i forget which character he says it to because they all kind of run together but he's like um somebody's like do you think he knows or do you think they're gonna get out or do you think that he's like well i know he's smarter than you and shoves him into a wall <laughs> oh that was making blair yeah i love that he shoved his face in the fucking wall yeah. that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> even the fire extinguishers they're great yeah and used the exact correct amount yes <laughs> you can use it four times you're good not not too much or too little just right goldilocks yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to find out exactly how many seconds you can spray one fire extinguisher. It's a pretty hey, large Justin, one. Let me know. Yeah, let me know too. It's kind of large. Because next time we have like skinheads over here, I'll... Yeah, oh, spray you should never have skinheads over there at all, John. Unex- oh. Unexpected skinheads. So. Yeah, you can spray them continuously for exactly 8.4 oh, seconds. Can I tell you guys something? When mm-hmm. when I was growing up in the scene, I've learned that there is a difference between skinheads and boneheads. So the boneheads are supposedly what are supposed to be the swastika, fucking Confederate flag waving pussy motherfuckers. Those are the boneheads. Skinheads, skinheads derived from like the sixties, evolved from like the reggae and ska era. And um, there's a band called Youth Brigade from the eighties. And they started a label called uh, BYO, Better Youth Organization. And they called themselves skinheads before, but it was mostly about unity and peace and not about the racial as the boneheads would be. So as I was growing up, I've always learned as the skinheads as boneheads, but society as we know, they call them skinheads. So I've just conformed to calling them all skinheads. But the way I grew up, I've known them as boneheads. Hmm. Tyler, I also... When I was doing a little bit of research for this movie, I saw that like in the UK, like the movement for a while, there were skins that weren't racist. Like it wasn't about pushing neo-Nazi propaganda. Well, yeah, in the it was movie, more of like a punk stuck. rock sort of vibe. It was a little different. It was like an offshoot of that. But um, in the movie, they mentioned sharps, which is skinheads against racial profiling. But yeah. those are skinheads that usually wear blue laces to show that they're sharks. Yeah, I know that the laces have a big thing, like whether you have white laces or red. Or, oh, yeah. Laces have, have a, a huge part in that kind of movement. And actually, there was one time I had white laces in my combat boots. And I was standing on a corner waiting to get picked up. And I had a couple of people like walk up to me like, you fucking Nazi? What the fuck are you doing? I'm, like, I'm just waiting to get picked up. I'm like, what's up with your laces? I'm like, yeah, has white laces. I don't like I'm like 16 at this time. I'm fucking. What do, wait, would, what do white laces signify? Um, white power, I right? I can't remember. It's it's been a long time. I don't remember. I never, I, I stopped caring because I didn't care about that kind of lifestyle. It's just more about like making music and just being actually punk and not like not a part of a skinhead movement or skinheads against racial profiling. Which those guys are cool, but like I kind of don't give a fuck about them either. Kind of, but it, I don't know. I just. The, the colored laces has always been weird and off to me because in my boots, I have green laces, but my boots are green, so I just made it to match my, my green boots. But I'm sure if someone were to look at me with green laces, they could probably pick something out like, oh, you're that motherfucker, ain't you? I'm going to beat your fucking ass. He's like, all right, well, bring it, dude. I don't have green laces. I'll kick your ass, too. I don't give a fuck. I'm fucking... <laughs> Being in a punk band, have you ever gone and played paintball? I'm just curious. Is that like a normal thing that like punk bands do or <laughs> no i've come back I mean, with like an inspirational story about what happened 
while you were there? No, I've never done paintball, but I've had paintballs and BB guns. Like, shit, shut up there. Because me and my friends back in the day used to do jackets a lot. And I used to wear, like, a little, uh, like, a jock strap and just wear roller skates. Wear nothing but a jock oh, wow. strap. Oh, my God. Stuff. That's what he's wearing tonight, folks. You can't see, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can't. We've been so enjoying his, Patreon, his We've been outfit. selling this, this hot-ass content right here. And, um, only he's wearing in, uh, that hat we described before, a straight chilling t-shirt with the nipples cut out, and he's got this no pants on. <laughs> only in my only nightmares that you can find that. Yeah, only nightmares. Only nightmares. That's good. <laughs> uh, Love it. Where can I sign up? I actually uh, really I do like the, the punk vibe, though, this film. I like that it's... You don't get a lot of movies like this, and I thought, like... No, you don't. film could be easily seen as, like, try hard. Or, like... And I think it straddles a fine line of, like, I'm not an e- I'm not into either of these music scenes, but it, I I buy it when I'm watching the film. I'm like I'm along for the ride. I I I buy the struggling band, you know, siphoning gas to survive. I I'll tell you what, it. for being in the lifestyle, it fits very perfectly. You it's told the story you, that was like tadpoles before. Fit my life exactly perfectly. You like, told me yeah. before, like you're letting someone from another band stay at your house overnight. Oh yeah, last going weekend, to an, another shit. scene that they need to road trip at, and like. That's exactly what Tadpole does, right? He lets him crash at his house and, ex- you know, in exchange for the interview. And then he hooked him up with a gig, but that gig fell through. So then he gives him like that shitty gig where they get free lunch. I mean, that's kind of what punk bands do. Like if um, like Dead Living, the band that crashed here last weekend, because they're coming from Chicago up to here to play a show with us. And then they had to go to Milwaukee the next day. And they didn't want to go back to Chicago to come back up here. So I let them crash here. And then they all passed down. We kept partying until like eleven o'clock the next day, the next night. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of how it's been. Like even in the eighties and nineties, like people used to do tours on their school buses or broke down minivans. They used to crash at people's houses and just like go to the next show the next day and party and make connections and like form form a scene together, like grow. You know, it's, it's kind of how punk rock goes, and that's what I love about. It. Yeah, I think that's something that this film does pretty well as far as the aesthetic. Oh, it does. It does it greatly, honestly. Like when they were asking him about um, why aren't you guys on social media? How can we can't find your music? That hit me a lot because you can't really find us on social media or our music anywhere. It's because, well, for one, we aren't tech savvy. We don't, as you've learned today, Hydroberg, we don't know how to use computers at all. <laughs> <laughs> it also kind of goes against the movement, right? Like the movement of punk is sort of like chaos or like homegrown and homegrown like, and like, like, yeah. And then like DIY you know, to succumb to like, oh, uh, let me sign in and give you my personal information so that I can DIY. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, we could sell out eventually. Like that's anti establishment um, going Well, and then for me, being life. the big Green Day fan that I am, like they, Punk rockers always give me shit for loving Green Day, just because they're so different. Punk, they did. They are, but they started back in the eighties, eighty eight, when Billy Joe was like sixteen years old, and they made they made it then, and they made it now. But they only made it now because people can reflect on what they're singing about and everything. By Billy Joe's bisexuality, um, being angst, being alone, and everything like that. Darren Dookie. And um, I feel like that reflects on a lot of punk rockers, but they don't want to accept it because it's mainstream in a way. Yeah, but if, if they really accept it, I mean, everyone wants to suck Blink One Eighty Two's dick all the time, but I love Green Day. It's like, well, go fuck yourself. I mean, no, Green Day's great. I, I I used to love Green Day. I have a nice picture of me with long hair at sixteen with the Green Day shirt on. I think maybe you shared that in the Slack yeah. once. It's a Duke. Yeah, shirt. I think I see that. Was that the Kerplunk shirt? It's a Dookie shirt, I believe. Oh, Dookie? Not Kerplunk? <laughs> yeah. 
And speaking but, of Blink One Eighty Two, they grew up in a town right over from where I live in oh, really? California. <laughs> but yeah, I think with the genre too, there's there's different sub genres to punk. Where like, oh, know, there's like so somebody many. like the Clash, who's not necessarily like you know, they're not like the Sex Pistols. They're not as hard as say Minor Threat, but like their music the is Clash still punk. Pioneers. I love the yeah. Clash. Oh, um, I do. Really got me That's Joey's that. favorite band, I think. They have they were pioneers in reggae. They've yes. got reggae and punk together, which is how we have Rancid to this day. Because Rancid exactly formed in reggae and ska. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is like, I, I think punk just becomes like more generational, and then all of a sudden it it, it hits this mainstream. You know, it, like you were talking about Rancid. You know, Rancid is becoming like this kind of pop culture icon now. And punk's sort of like this weird genre where, like, it. I, I guess you get the same thing with metal too, but like you, you come into the middle at some point where punk oh, and yeah. then it branches off and there becomes, you know, you can have like your, you, you can have the skinhead type stuff that's like based off of kind of like punk music, like the fucking screwdriver, which sucks yeah, ass. Like, and like you said, we can, we can go in the other direction and get more of a ska vibe. Um, and they're all punk. Base. You know, you can even get bands like the Beastie Boys that sampled punk. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Or you get Sublime that sampled stuff like the Beastie Boys as well as yeah. They did Bad Religion. Yeah, Sublime, Bad, Bad Religion. Religion is great band. Yeah. Great band. Yeah. 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 There you go. These are all like uh, the Sex Pistols is another band that my well, stepbrother got me into when I was young and I always loved. Well, it's kind of like horror, right? Like it's yeah, its own genre, it but then yeah. it breaks down under that umbrella to lot like you, infinite, infinite yes. subgenres. And I think this movie sort of speaks on that how some of these worlds blend a little bit, where like you can get a punk group to show up to a skinhead compound just for a, a you know a, a, a small gig and do a set, and just to keep these kids like occupied and something to entertain them. And maybe it's great not the music analogy, that they Jack. love, but they they <laughs> what do you say? Uh, I was going to say that what a great analogy Jacqueline made, because it's like, like, you know, these, these subgenres of mo- movies, like back in 1982, how popular was the thing, but how many of us love the thing now? You know, it's oh, yeah. that I mean, kind of like, even creating, you know, like had anybody even thought of like, like body horror as I show yeah. genre, you know what I mean? Well, and also how, like, if you're not in the know, like, if you're not knowledgeable about a genre, it seems monolithic, right? Like, if you are not knowledgeable about horror, you think, like, oh, horror movies. Okay, Freddy, Jason. It's just all one umbrella, yeah. Yeah. Torture porn. But, yeah, but, like, then if you actually start learning about it, you realize there's, like, infinite little branches that branch off. Same thing with, like, punk music. If you don't know anything about punk music, you might think, oh, it's just, like, all the same. It's all one thing. Not realizing that there's, there's so much nuance to it and all these little very subtle differences, but little subgroups. Have you guys ever heard of like Gogo Bordello, like Flog and Molly or the Tossers and stuff like Flog that? and Molly, oh, I've heard. Like Gypsy Punk, Celtic Punk. Oh, there's the all different subgenres of punk rock, just like horror. And I think that's why I love horror the most of any movie genre there is. It just clicks to me, just like punk rock. Yeah, and there's some, like with the horror genre too, it's like, there's plenty of people that I'll meet that are in the horror, but they're not exactly the same horror fan that I am or the next person. So their idea of horror is like, well, I like the slasher stuff or I like the ghosts, you know what I mean? But they don't like the rape stuff. They don't like the home invasions. So they (laughs) they don't watch all of it. There's some of us that just want, like, give me all of it. I'll take the bad stuff, the good stuff. But we're not all of our preferences, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. So some people. Tyler, what would you consider Bloodhound Gang? A Bloodhound Gang? Oh, God. (laughs) Fun shit talking punk rock in a way. 
I actually saw them with Goldfinger in concert. That was great. Oh, Goldfinger is awesome. I never got yeah. too big on Bloodhound except for like Chasey Lane. Oh, that's a porn star. Me, me and yeah, my buddy like, the podcast. We always get drunk and sing Chasey Lane all the fucking time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Chasey Lane is like a vivid porn star from back in the day. <laughs> she's in she's in basketball. Yeah. No, yeah, she's she in, no, she's in Orgasmo. She's in Orgasmo by Trey Parker. She's one of the porn stars in the background in Orgasmo. Well, that checks out. <laughs> Dude, I love that movie so much. Well, we're, we're getting, uh, we're getting sorry, kind of short on time a little bit. Yeah. I was just wondering if you guys were ready to wrap it up and get into our individual ratings. Yeah, yeah. I think we broke it down. Yeah, broke it down. All right, well, Hydraberg, this was your pick, so I'd love to hear you first. Uh, yes, this was my pick. Um, so some pros. I think there's a great cast here, and I think there's some really good acting. I do like uh patrick stewart and i can i can i but i can also sympathize i can understand someone who's where his his role sort of takes them out of it but i I like the fact that he went in a different route with this character and i like that they thought of him for this and um, i think he's got that range so i i enjoyed it i think it's pretty cool um and i like that like he's not like he's the bad he's the main bad but there's other people that are really doing the bad things. Like he's just sort of calling the shots at some point. So like there's moments where like he's played up, like he's the baddest dude in the room, but he's not really like give, if he was to fight someone, like they would have whooped his ass, but he just happens to be able to control them, you know, because he's more intelligent than most of the people in the room. Um, but by the very end, we see that fall apart for him. So that doesn't work out. Um, I do like the punk rock uh, skinhead vibes. I thought they played very well in this film. Uh, none of it ever felt false to me, or as the young kids would say nowadays, like a poser. Um, it just <laughs> it just felt real. And the fact that it felt real is also why it felt so fucking scary in moments, because it's a real it, this is a real world scare factor to this film that um, I think just works very well at this time frame. They're now in the 80s, like there are any time for any time frame you could have a situation where like someone runs into some skins and like shit goes down and like you could do this in any era, honestly, and basing it around like the punk rock movement. Like, I think that's great. I think that's I think it's great that it's based around a band. I, I don't think we see enough of that in movies. And I think that's very interesting. Um, but yeah, the real world scare factor just like totally bumps it up for me. I could see this playing off in real life, like in a true crime fucking podcast. I think the gore is super effective. Like I said before, uh, it's sort of beautiful. Um, it's just it, it never it never teeters over the edge. It just rides a fine line of like, fuck, that looks real. And it looks like it hurts. It's not spouting blood everywhere, but it's bloody. And like the injuries look like they've sustained injuries. The actors, when they when they have that, like buddy, buddy fucking duct tapes his arm. But like he, he's not the same <laughs> after. And we, we, we know there's more repercussions from that injury at some point. Like you got to deal with that. Like he's been bleeding out this entire time. And I just think the film doesn't pull any punches there. And I kind of like that. It's very visceral and just, I don't know, man, there's like a razor's edge to this film where you just feel like you're on the edge while you're watching it. Um, The cinematography, I just, I said, I think it's all really well done. I think there's a good mix of green in the very beginning. Like we get the green lush um, of the, the forest while we get the overhead shot of them traveling. We get green hue just to the lens. Everything's dusty and sort of dirty. There's a green, um, there's a ton of green in the room, like magic marker and stuff like that. On Just like little details that the filmmaker kind of cues in on where he keeps this kind of green motif going, which I did. I deal, uh, 
I dig. I think it plays out through the very end too. I enjoy the lack of closure at the very end. Um, there are some threads left by the by the by the end that you don't get to figure out exactly what's going on. But I think leaving it here, I think they do the ending justice. Like I think that's the best ending, to be honest. Like it could be divisive for some people, but I think that's a good ending. Like you're not going to get it. It's a slice of life story when and we don't figure out what happens to Gabe. Um, I was waiting for. I've seen this film once, and I was still waiting. I was like, is this? Does the dog attack him in the middle of the street? Because I was waiting for that random dog. We kept getting this view of the dog walking around. And I was like, is he going to hook up with Gabe and then attack Gabe now? Because he's kind of like lost his master and he's like feral. But that didn't happen. But so I, I do love the dog scene, too. I do have some cons. I had a couple like it was tough for me, honestly, to pick some cons for this film. And I don't think this is a perfect film. There's something. It's one of my cons. There is something missing from this film. I cannot put my finger on it. But there's something missing that makes it a, not a 10. It feels like it's got the qualities of, of like a really high profile movie. Um, but it's missing something. And I just I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know enough about filmmaking, to be honest, to break it down. I think I couldn't zero in on what it was. But I do wish we spent more time with the band. Ain't right. I felt a little bit more time with them would have been great. I like the time we spent. But a lot of it, it's montage where we don't actually see the conversations taking place. We see them partying. We see a slow scene where a slow-mo is overlapped over it. And like, we get that, like they're close and they've spent time on the road together, but I wish we got a little bit more of that time on the road. I honestly, the build up to the cornfield would have been nice. Um, also seeing a little bit more of Amber and Emily, I think could have benefited the plot as well. Give it, give them a moment to interact with one. Like give them some dialogue of their own that we don't see through the band's eyes. Like, let us see what they're seeing for a moment in the crowd, maybe, or like build up that relationship between Daniel or the thing with Worm, like a little bit more so that we understand a little bit better what's going on once we get in the green room. Because I do love that the film goes crazy once we hit the green room. But like Jacqueline said, there's moments where we're kind of left out of the loop on purpose, maybe by design. But it could be a detriment to a first time viewer who's like, wait a minute, I was, I looked at my phone for a split second or I looked away and I don't realize what's going on now. Who who are they talking to? Who's this character? Because not everybody's defined as far as like their names. Their, their names are used a lot, but we don't know really who they are. Um, it takes a moment to really get used to who it is. And the movie's over pretty quickly. Uh, there are also moments that just make you angry in this film. Uh, and decisions are made that lead to death. And you're just fucking left to contemplate like what could they have done better? I don't know. It's frustrating. I, I don't think it's a real detriment for me, but it could be. I could see it being a detriment for some people. Um, it's just tough to watch. There's tough moments in this film. Um, and uh, like I said, uh, I think it's just, just I think it's a tense thrill ride and especially for a first watch. And so with that said, I'm giving Green Room from 2015. I'm going to give it eight out of 10 deep gashes to the arm. <laughs> I like that. All right. <laughs> eight out of 10 deep gashes to the arm, says Heidelberg. All right. Tyler. Care to go next? Sure. I mean, Heidelberg just kind of nailed it on the fucking head in the coffin there for me, honestly. Everything he says is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I just want to point out that there are some really awesome punk rock stickers in there. You got some Fugazi. You got some Minor Threat t-shirts. You got a Dead Kennedys t-shirt. I heard some Poison Idea in the soundtrack. At the very end of the credits, you get Bad Brains playing Right Brigade. Fucking Bad Brains rules, dude. If you never heard Bad Brains, check out the fucking Bad Brains. 
And actually, all those bands, and I was looking for the special thanks and the credits from the director, they're all like DC bands. And this band is supposedly from DC or outskirts of Arlington. Yeah, they say DC. Yeah. And um, like Henry Rollins from DC, um, Ian McKay, who is in Teen Idols, Minor Threat, Fugazi, and is the owner of uh, Discord Records, is all straight out of DC. So I love that the director included a bunch of like DC bands within the movie. Um, there was something I was going to say, I kind of forgot. Um, it's, I'm pretty sure, I, I, I mean, it's a great movie. I mean, the, the, the blood and gore, I mean, I love, I love torture porn gore, so more blood, more blood, I'm going to love it. But this didn't have that much blood, but there's a lot of good um body horror as you said with the arm and the fucking legs everything and the stomach being sliced open i love all that kind of shit i'm a sucker for that um sorry my kitty um yeah i'm i'm gonna give this eight out of ten bastion fucking nazi skulls for that fucking <laughs> that's what i'm giving this movie for sure i, <laughs> I like don't know that unit of measurement i don't know what makes it lack the 10 out of 10 like there's there is something missing in this that doesn't just hit the ten out of ten for me. Even a nine, I don't know, but it's just an eight out of ten for me. I, I, mean, I may my might I offer a possibility? Um, in reading trivia and stuff about this movie to prepare for tonight, I did read um several like big name publications reviews of this movie, and Variety magazine said that it was lacking a human element, and I wonder if that might be. I disagree. Missing. I feel like yeah, I disagree no? too. Okay. I feel like it's got that. Just a thought. Like it makes us sympathetic to skinheads as well, and as well as like we disband. There are elements where, like, even the villains are like humanized. Like they're monstrous, of course, but we see like the regiment. We see like the ranks of it, right? We see like the young kids are just following whatever the fucking older people are telling them. They just want to get along. They want to. They want to be involved in something. So when you tell them like, oh, if you do this, you get to the next tier. They're just fucking brainwashed. They're like, yeah, fucking I'll help you out with this because it boosts my name up in the crowd. Like, I'm just I'm here to, you know, to have my name fucking. That's a really good fucking point, actually. Yeah. Like the kids are just trying to fit in. Right. So like a lot of them are just falling in line. Um, And then. Which a lot of kids kind of do a lot of times. Yeah. And Darcy's sort of this like father figure when he does show up. He's sort of like, hey, my children, like, how are you? Like. You know what I mean? Like it's it's obviously he's not there all the time. He shows up once in a while, um, but he's a figure. And I don't know. I think I think there is a human element to this film. I think that human element is sort of what you might not like. You might not want to feel human. Like maybe it's all because I don't want to feel towards a skinhead or a fucking Nazis that are trying to like make him Blair and the Amber Girl that are trying to get out and like make. I I don't I don't care for that. Once a Nazi, always a Nazi. You're fucked. Get the fuck out of here, dude. I don't. I don't care for that kind of shit. I don't. Know, maybe. Maybe I cut her more slack because she's uh, a female. I don't know if that's part of it. I, I think the movie does a decent way of watching it. But I like, mean, she she does help him through thick and thin. She does, but she doesn't know him. She's a part of a white supremacist group, but it's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Equal opportunity, equal people. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. I that's mean, cool. you have a point. I, I, no, I think it's a valid point for sure. Sorry, we yeah, I mean, I understand that within the band. So. Well, then I don't know what's missing for y'all, but um, something, something. Okay, so eight, eight out of ten for both of you guys. Got it. John, Jacqueline, you what's... go next. 
Um, I kind of feel like I said most of what I wanted to say. I think there's a lot that works really well about this movie. Um, some of it is just kind of my personal taste. Like, the, you know, there are some things about it that function similarly to a home invasion movie, like I explained before. And Hyderberg, I totally agree with you that the reality, like the, the basis of reality in this movie is part of what makes it so scary um, and makes it such a thrill ride. Um, so I absolutely feel that. I, that's one of my favorite types of movies. I love being able to put myself in a hypothetical situation, wonder about myself, like, what would I do? How would I handle this? Um, so I think that works really well. And, you know, I, I said before about Patrick Stewart that I was kind of ambivalent. I definitely have no criticism of him as an actor whatsoever. <laughs> Who would I be to criticize <laughs> for Patrick Stewart, for God's sake? So, Tasty. and I, I'm not even going to criticize the casting choice. Um, I just, I still, I'm a little unsure about the choice of him in that role, but I have no qualms with his performance of that role. Like there's, there's nothing he could have done that I think would have been better. It's just, maybe I know him too well, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe he's um, the missing link. I don't know. I don't know, but l let it be known. I will watch him in anything. Incidentally, I did want to mention, this is unrelated, um, but it is related to Patrick Stewart. Um, I will try to find this video and send it to y'all, but there is a video out there of him doing Shakespearean improv. And I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have like seen an improv show before, right? Like audience calls out, like they ask for some topic or a celebrity or a place and people shout stuff out and they build a scene around it, right? So I saw him performing with a Shakespearean improv group that it works the exact same way. They have the audience call stuff out. They, you know, ask for a certain thing, like, tell me a person, tell me blah, blah, blah. And people shout stuff out and they make up a scene, but they do it in Shakespearean, like accurate Shakespearean language. And they even do it in iambic pentameter, mm. meaning 10 syllables per line, like with the correct, like unstressed stress, like uh, meter. It's and I'm just like on the spot. Wow. And I've got to find this video of him doing it. He do he does it with um, Thomas Middleditch. I don't know if you guys watch the series Silicon Valley. I know Thomas Middleditch. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he's, He's and he's amazing too. It's just like the most astounding. It's like the most astounding thing I've ever seen. So I'll try to find that video and send it to y'all. Maybe post it on our socials. But I just had to throw that in there because it's like, of course, Patrick Stewart would do that. So <laughs> he's just the best. Um. Anyway, so I do. I I love watching him in this movie. I just I don't know if maybe there might have been an actor who suits that type of character better. But I I have no qualms with his performance. Um. Brian Cox. <laughs> oh, God. He actually wasn't in um, American History X. It was like Stacy Cash or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Wait, he wasn't. Stacy Keach. Sassy. Yeah. yeah Stacy Keach was the. Uh, he was Sassy. Uh, Sassy yeah, Keach. Sassy Keach. He's so sassy. That's my street name. Sassy Keach. But um, no, yeah, he was he Sergeant was big... Stadanko from Cheech and Chong. Yeah, he was. The... <laughs> he was. He was. You're right. He was the big bad in uh, American History X. Which was sort of like the Patrick Stewart character. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so yeah, I, and you know, some of my <laughs> complaints about not following the dialogue particularly well, maybe that would be improved by just a third watch, knowing what I know now. Maybe there was too much time between my first and my second watch, because like I said, it was about um, seven years ago since I saw it in the theater. So I don't know, maybe if I watched it again tomorrow, it would kind of like flow better for me but i felt like i was taken out of the story frequently by the dialogue which again i as i mentioned before i felt like there was a lot of abbreviated speech a lot of like 
lingo that was not familiar to me and a lot of like kind of unclear references like who are you talking about right now some of it just didn't connect for me but knowing what I know now maybe if I watched it tomorrow it would be it would be more comprehensible to me um and again just my for me the the the, the lacking element is the human element yeah, I feel like, you know, human compassion towards certain characters, but I don't feel like I have a clear, um, for the for the most part, I don't feel like there's a clear distinction between characters for me. I feel like, you know, when you're talking about literature, what, what we think of as like popular literature, popular fiction, you know, kind of the stuff that you buy at like the drugstore, like in, you know, mass mass market paperbacks, that's usually very like plot driven stuff and it's considered like kind of lower intellect level or lower tier whereas like more literary fiction is like more character driven there's it's like it focuses more on character development than heavy plotting i feel like this movie is very plot driven and not so much about like a developing character arc and so it it kind of has that that lacking quality it kind of lacks a literariness for me that um that like I, I want in a movie like this, I want to be able to follow a character and see him or her grow and develop. And I want to be able to distinguish characters from each other. I don't think that's too much to ask. So that's, that's a lacking part for me. Um, Jacqueline, are you saying that all white people look alike? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yep. Cause that's racist. <laughs> no, we do. We actually do. <laughs> no, I am not so saying that. Whitey, what are you doing? You guys heard it. The Mexican on the podcast is saying that all white. I couldn't people tell these white people I'm apart. I'm just. Kidding. I know. I'm just you kidding. <laughs> you guys all look alike to me. I'm just kidding. I'm so kidding. What do you mean, you people? What are you saying? Some of us are pirates, all right? Yeah. Yeah. Can some That's of you wear just different well. hats? Just wear different hats, and that way I can tell. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the way the characters are written and the way they interact, and I, uh, I, I feel like very few of them have any like defining character traits a few of them do but they i think they take some time to develop and not like i couldn't really i couldn't tell you anything yeah, specific the about many of the, of the characters it's just so, not it's not it doesn't lend to that sort of character but even like even i could see you have pat, a problem with it huh? but like even pat you know and he kind of ends up be, you know so pat and amber are the the final survivors of the situation right but i would dare say that we as viewers are more aligned with pat right because he's the band member yeah he's part amber's of kind of just like jumped on with him but and you know and we've discussed how she's kind of you know of questionable repute but uh so so pat is really the person we want to align ourselves with but uh, even at the end of the day, yeah, he survives. But what can we really say about him as a person? Like, you know, we could cobble together a few things, but I don't feel like he has a super strong character arc. So that's all I'm saying. Um, I feel like that's that's lacking somewhat. I think I, the film does a decent job, too, just of these people are, yes, they're into horrible things, but they're also young. And like there's a I don't know. Some of them are. Some of them are. So when you, I don't know, you just get these youth that are sort of drawn to the wrong thing sometimes. And, you know, you know there's a good person down there, but they're, they've been driven towards the wrong side of, uh, of they've taken a stance on like the wrong thing. And yeah, they're, they're very impressionable. Themselves. Yeah, they're impressionable. They've grouped themselves with the wrong type of group. And they felt at, at one point they felt like they were part Against of our authority. Yeah, and they thought they were part of something, and then they they grew up in that world, and now they're like trapped in it. So, yeah. I that's the sort of vibe I got from the girls. Um, but yeah, I could see having an issue with them too. So anyway, I don't. Just to wrap it up, a lot of this a lot of this movie works for me. A little bit doesn't. I feel like you guys have talked me up a little bit during the course of this conversation. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna give it a six. Um, 
right now I think I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Bastion Seven out of Nazi, 10. Skull, Nazi skulls. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. So that's <laughs> what I say. And I like Tyler's unit of measurement better, so I'm going with that. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, fuck them Nazis. All right. Sorry. All right, Johnny. What do Yo. you say? <clears throat> well, I think you guys said it all. I'm going to say something controversial, but... Um, oh, yeah, I like Nazis. Oh, man. <laughs> Patrick Stewart is such a gem. Uh, I don't think he fit for this role. You know, I Tyler, you said it before. I think H- Henry Rollins would have fit perfect in that. He's not a good actor. No, he's but not. He would have fit perfect, like, with the same lines. I, I mean, Patrick Stewart delivered them perfectly. Like, chef's kiss. Good job, Patrick. Um, well, it just too. didn't feel right. Uh, aesthetically, this movie was beautiful. The the gore, you know, even my problem with the fire extinguisher was fine. Um, man, this this movie was hard to watch, but it was entertaining as shit. Um, boy, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I think people should watch it and just kind of get something from it because you know. Fuck those people. Um, Heidelberg, <laughs> I'm going to be on your side. What was it again? What was your unit of measurement? Uh, deep gashes to the arm. Deep gashes to the arm. I'm going to also go with Jacqueline. Uh, 6.5 out of 10 deep gashes to the arm. But it, okay. it's worth the watch. All right. Cool. Interesting. Interesting dividing lines there. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, gentlemen, that was a very yes. good discussion. Thanks for uh, talking about Green Room. Absolutely. Awesome. And Tyler. Tyler, we were right. You were an outstanding guest to have on for this show. Just the right oh, the right choice, I think. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like I said last week, I have an eye for talent. You do, <laughs> actually. <laughs> you do, Hydraburn. Well, you were the one who suggested me for this podcast. Well, that's so. right. I was. <laughs> 100, guys. 100? Yeah, we fucking did it, guys. Can we just acknowledge that for a second? This was Not our 100. We are the punk rockers <laughs> of horror podcasts. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're not that sure. hard. But. I'll do a spotted count of that. Well, I, I, it's the end of our show, but I'd like to at least briefly mention some upcoming things. Um, this is not the end of our 100th episode celebration. Keep an ear out. There will be some extra goodies being released for you guys this week. Um, we will also be doing... Yeah, so we're going to have kind of a bonus episode, which is... Melange, if you will. A melange, if you will, of Constant. some messages emails questions um from some of our friends and some, rob zombie and from rob zombie <laughs> yeah rob zombie's gonna make an appearance I, well that was supposed to be it but as long as he's not doing the monsters again <laughs> surprise <laughs> oh, that's what we're covering the monsters too electric boogaloo we're covering yeah i'm a huge i'm a huge monsters fan i love that show <laughs> He's got to love hate with that bullshit. But. Yes, I remember you being very, very excited about that title. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to call John out for a second and say John had that on our schedule for some time uh, around this time of year and then at some point changed it. So but... glad he did. What, to Lords of Salem? What? Hell yeah. Huh? No, no, no. Oh, that what? was. No, no, no. That, no, that we was... changed it to a much better film. Oh, well, Lords of Salem is a much gonna... better movie anyway. You're going to be excited. Ultra guest. 
get excited. Anyway, um, yeah, so we'll be having a melange of an episode coming out this week as a bonus. It's not going to be a review. It's going to be a lot like what we did for our 50th um, episode where we answered some questions, played some games, um, read out some emails, answered some questions. So that'll be just fun. More of a retrospective, I think. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and there may be an additional little goodie on top of that that Hydroberg has been working tirelessly to put together for us. I have been cooking something. Are you guys mm-hmm. been sitting on an egg for a while? Mm-hmm. So you guys what the head. What's We're that? gonna get a little taste of it later this week, Tyler. Oh, we get a taste. We don't even smell it, but we can taste it. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. scratching stick. cooking. Yeah, <laughs> you're and, and then next week we'll be back, um, same time, same place, doing our usual routine. We'll be covering the movie Knock at the Cabin from earlier this year. That's John's choice. Yeah, it is. And that can be found on Peacock, I think we said. Yeah. Think so. yeah. Guys, you gotta you, we have to have some knock knock jokes for that episode, please. <laughs> we need a couple, like the corniest dad jokes ever. Watch right, a lot of Spotify boys. There's a lot of knock knock jokes in that show. Episode one oh one. Yeah, yep. we need some knock knock jokes for that one. Yep, way to the ring in the one new is knock knock who's there. Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, that was ahead. so punk rock. I, I was just gonna say how punk rock of you. Trailer Park Boys. Have you guys? Have you guys watched Trailer Park Boys? I haven't what watched it. Oh no! Trailer Park Boys. I swear to God. Besides South Park. <laughs> uh, yeah. So lots of stuff coming up. You guys are basically gonna get like four separate episodes over the next eight days. So that's oh, yeah. we're, yeah, we're trying to give you a little. It's like the next six months. We're tired. Yeah. <laughs> no, we want to give you guys a little a little gift um uh, for to celebrate our hundred episode episode anniversary. The episode. I don't know what that was. Suckering suckatash. What up, Daffy? <laughs> Sorry, Jack. I think that means it's I think that means it's time for me to stop talking. So if you want to get in a message to us very, 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 very last minute, you have about 22 hours before we're putting together our retrospective episode. So you have just about that much time to send us an email if you have any messages or questions for us. The email address is a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Tyler, where the, where can they find you? Oh, fuck. Um, okay. Tyler, we talked about this already, right? I said you I have, got your, a little, have I your got a little, I got a little chicken scratch right here. There we go. So you can find us at Punks at the Cinema on YouTube, Spotify, where you get your podcasts. Social media is P-A-T-C Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, you can find Tyler Nightmare's Late Night Horror Show at Tyler Nightmare's Horror Show on Instagram, or Spotify, whatever. Warplot, you can find Warplot at Facebook and Warplot69 on Instagram. Um, that's pretty much where you can find us. But I, I got a question for you guys. Since I didn't call in, I can ask. Well, I didn't call in for a question for the 100th episode because I thought you guys were going to do it on this episode, so I didn't call in at all. I want to ask, what is the movie... The horror movie that stapled your life into being a horror movie fanatic for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, so, like, I want to say the thing, but to be honest, like, that's a film I've gravitated to over time. Um, so that's not the first film. Uh, I've, well, I've told the story before how my mom, my well, mom showed me The Exorcist at a young age. And that's that sort of just solidified me, like, I don't know, like, knowing that, like... Uh, 
I, I hate being scared, but I also love it. You know, but um, wasn't the movie that stapled you to make sure that you're a horror fan for life? I think that might be like The Exorcist is one of those films that, like, even as an adult now, I I don't like. I don't really want to rewatch it. Like, it still bothers me. Really? Uh, a, yeah, there's something to that. There's an intensity to that film that just. Uh, I remember the medical stuff really getting to me as a kid. Uh, the medical scenes in uh, in particular bothered me oh, more shit. than the than the demon stuff. They're just so intense. But um, I just remember that film being introduced to me at an age that's probably too young. Uh, but other than that, if I had to pick a film, I think the Freddy franchise, like Nightmare on Elm Street, sort of drove me towards being like those were the ones that included me as a horror fan. Like one was someone showing me something that was a little bit out of my league. But it also enticed me. And then like Freddy was my horror as a kid. When I saw Freddy, I gravitated towards like, all right, this is my guy. Like he's telling jokes, but he's killing people. And um, I don't know. There was something about that character that just stuck with me throughout the years. Like I, I, I watched all of his films. I even went and saw the 3D one in theaters. So, um, yeah, I, I loved Freddy. But Exorcist sort of got me. Like that's the one film that really got me as a kid to be like really scared, but also very intrigued by it. And it's also a memory I share um, where it's connected to my mother too. And she's a big part of my, my, my love of uh, horror. So a lot of us males actually have female influences. Mine too, man. Mine too. I passed the torch. Mine too. Yeah. How about Jacqueline? You? Um, I would say. Ultra guys. Next. Um, I would say my entry point was Carrie, but if we're if the question is like which movie really like stapled you to the life, I would yes, say either yes. um I would say either Candyman or The Shining. Ooh, okay. Good yeah. picks. I saw those, yeah at a very impressionable time, and they like I feel like they did something to my brain. Both of those Candyman movies. bothered me as a kid. It was a fucking yeah. scary film. Yeah, uh, and it. It did, it did a lot of things. I think it just kind of flipped something in my brain. John, yeah. what about you? Uh, 1982, I saw the Halloween 1978 and um, <clears throat> scared the shit out of me, the score. I slept in my parents' bed. I woke up the next morning sleeping in my own bed, and I said, I'm going to watch that again. That guy scared <laughs> the shit out of me. I want to get over that. So yep. Halloween 1978. I need a more. Yep. What about you, Tyler? What did you say it was? Oh. For, for me, when I was a kid, it was Gremlins and Tremors, for sure. Oh, wow. I'm a huge creature feature Both fan. creature features, yeah, I was going to say. But um, when I was about, when Science First came out, I was probably about nine years old. That movie scared the living fucking shit out of me. You said weird science? For three years. And honestly, that movie was a staple. But recently, what got me back into horror that made a staple in my life that horror is the number one franchise for me. It was The Witch. The Witch is number one in my next to Frankenstein. Frankenstein is my number one movie of all time. The original nice. 1931. Nice. nice. And that movie makes me cry every fucking time I watch that movie. I love it. Right, so maybe we're going to have you on if we ever cover it. I'm already choking up thinking about that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely creature features, gremlins, tremors, stuff. That's what made me the horror fan I am today. Awesome. And Nightmare Before Christmas, which is my favorite episode by you guys with Nicole on there. I fucking Thank love that you. so much. That was a great episode to record. It was. That is a fantastic episode. A lot of fun. Oh, thank well, you. I debate whether that we, we were jumping the gun on Halloween with that one or not. Uh, yeah. that's a Halloween. <laughs> it sparked a lot of <laughs> thank you, Tyler. There you go. Thank you. you. Back up here. So, Jews, I'm writing so it down Jews, right here. Tyler likes Nightmare Before Christmas. It's a Halloween film. 
Tyler's on my side. I remember watching was Nightmare. I mean, before. your name is Tyler Nightmare. You can't just come on. Yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah. All go. right, well, fellas, wow. it's been a great time. Uh, stay tuned for all the great stuff we got coming out this week, and also meet us back here next week for knock at the cabin i also just want to say real quick tonight we have a special sample of thieves by warplot to play us out so thank you so much for playing that man that's awesome and remember to always keep it creepy